of being free on the day of Jumu'ah, that is also a bounty from Allah. Sometimes a person is busy with work, he has got occupation, he has got school, he has got different takazas, etc. So he rushes, his time is such, he is so bad that he can only give a few minutes, he rushes to the masjid in time for the Jumu'ah Salah and he leaves. But a mu'min, when he has got that free time, فَإِذَا فَرَغْتَ فَلْسَ رَبِّكَ فَرَغْتَ A mu'min, when he got that free time, now he hastens to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Going early to the masjid on the day of Jumu'ah, now the time of Qurbani has come, already adverts are being circulated, and people have already paid for Qurbani, etc., the animals. And we see the price of a large animal, those cattle, etc., Camel is regarded as a large animal, and those are going 18, 20,000 rand. The Prophet mentioned that that person who arrives first at the masjid for Jumu'ah Salah, the person who comes first for Jumu'ah Salah, then he gets the reward as though he sacrificed a camel. Imagine that, just arriving early, being the first one to arrive for the Jumu'ah Salah, he gets the reward of that almost 20,000 rand worth of reward. And then at that time when the khutbah commences, at that time the angels close their books and person who comes after that then he's not even recorded amongst those who attended the Jumu'ah Salah, those who are getting that reward. The compulsion will be carried out, but the benefit of it he won't achieve. So this should become that habit and that other proceeding early to the masjid. If we are going to the airport, we've got a flight to catch, then we will make sure we are there with ample time, we are early. If there's some function etc, if we are invited you know, to some elaborate function, that we make sure we are there on time. How is it that we can become masbuk for salah upon salah upon salah? And it doesn't bring pain to the heart that if our employee, our own worker comes late to work, we reprimand him. Our student comes late to class, we reprimand him. But we go late for salah? We going late for salah? Undoubtedly, we will also be reprimanded in the court of Allah. Create in us this eagerness to approach the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala early to make it our habit to be there in time we not, cannot be there before the adhan and not it be that at least at the time of the takbir when the imam starts we are there for salah and all our salah all our salah create that habit create that adat that we are punctual we are fabled we are regular with all our salah that Allah grant us to we find this aspect of youth this portion of a person's life, youth themselves, are recognized as such important members of society, such important individuals of a community, that lots of focus and attention are on youth. Lots of focus and attention are on youth themselves, adverts, programs, all of these things, they are, you know, a new soft drink has to come out, or an energy drink. The focus, the target audience is immediately towards youth. Because they understand if we have captured the youth, we have captured their attention, then everybody else also will follow. So this aspect, that the importance of youth, that period of the life of a person, the days of youth, the effect of what happens in that person's youth remains throughout the life. Often we hear the example of a tree, that little tree begins to grow and it's growing crooked. Small trees start growing crooked. So what we do, person will take a big stick, a pole and put it there and tie the, the tree. So what happens? Now the tree will start growing straight also. But when that tree is grown already 10 years, 20 years, at that time go try to make it straight, you'll break your hands, perhaps break the tree and everything else. Because that time when it was to put it straight, that time when it was supposed to be groomed, 
the time where it's supposed to achieve and attain direction. At that time, if it is left, then it's very, very hard and perhaps impossible to bring it right. This is that aspect, that importance of youth. And for us to understand why is it so important, is because today's youth, the youth today, they are the imams of tomorrow. They are the leaders of tomorrow. They are the president. They are the entrepreneurs who will carry on. And for us to understand, not just take on the next generation, but who are the flag bearers of the deal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who will take the deal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forward. That is why we find in the hadith, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam mentioned, La tazulu qadama ibn Adam yawm al-qiyamah. The feet of every person, Ibn Adam, it will not move on the day of Qiyamah. Hatta yus'alu al-khamsi. Until he answers with regards to five aspects. He answers with regards to five aspects. The first, al-umrihi thima abla. Such an open question. He will have to answer with regards to his life, how he spent his life. How he spent his life. But immediately after that, the next question, Nabi mentions, and shababihi fima abla. So his first question was with regards to his entire life, how he spent it, how did he pass his life? But the next question is with regards and shababihi fima abla, how he spent his youth. Youth is part of that person's life, not a separate stage, part of life, but a separate question showing the importance of that part of a person's life, that stage of a person's life. So Nabi that other. Three questions don't apply at this stage. But one question is how that person spent his entire life. And then after this immediately, the question is with regards to youth. Because the effect of that time, how that person spends his youth, you see the effect of it throughout the person's life. The 16th of June is a day that is marked in the national calendar as a public holiday to commemorate, to honor the youth of South Africa who stood up 1975-1976, the Soweto uprising. And on June 16th, 1976, that massacre that took place, official report says 23 people were killed. But we know what happens with official reports. That is the report given by the apartheid regime. Same people told us Ahmed Timol killed himself. All of those. So other reports claim that more than 200 youth were killed in the Soweto uprising on that June 16, 1976. That symbol of the lifeless body of the 12-year-old Hector Peterson has remained a symbol of the brutality of the police, of the apartheid regime. And it's recognized internationally. And in that honor is given to the sacrifice that that group of youth made. Standing up for freedom, opposing zulum and oppression, opposing the apartheid regime. If you have to go back in history and look at the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And amongst them also we will find such great jazbah, enthusiasm amongst the youth of Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala Ali radiallahu anh, he was amongst the very very first to accept Islam. He was a youth, he was the first youngster, the first youth to accept Islam. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anh. This fervor to practice on deen was there in the lives of Sahaba. And not just this, but to sacrifice for Allah's deen. If you have to look at the time of Uhud, at the time of Uhud, the battle that had taken place, then before this battle, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam just out of Medina. The army is taken just out of Medina. Uhud is about five kilometers out of Medina. But as, they, as soon as they assembled outside the town, 
Nabi Ali begins to inspect the ranks of the army. And there he pulls out certain individuals, certain individuals of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. You, Abdullah ibn Umar, come out. Abu Sayyid Khudri, come out. Many such Sahaba radiallahu anhum, Zayd bin Thabit, all of them were pulled out. Why? They were returned, go back to Medina. What was the reason? Because they had just entered into their teens. They had just entered into their teens. Hector Peterson, 12-year-old. Yeah, look at the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. They were sent back into Medina Munawwara. They, nobody forced them. Today, we are told that the child doesn't want to wake up for Fajr. Leave him, he spent the whole night studying. These were young children just entered into their teens, marching with the army of Nabi Isra. At this time, Nabi Isra sends them back. One Sahabi, Rafiq bin Khadij, is standing on his tiptoes to make himself seem a little bit taller, not to go on some, you know, merry-go-round ride in a carnival, but to sacrifice his life for Allah's deen. Nabi Isra sends him back, Rafiq bin Khadij. He begins to cry, he begins to cry. Not because something of his is lost or somebody didn't like a post of his or somebody stopped following him on some social media. But those tears that he shed was because Nabi Wasallam was not allowing him to go fight in the battlefield where he can lose his life. His father comes to Nabi Wasallam. What is the condition of fathers today? Morana, my son is not coming to madrasa. He's got to kick the ball. The father comes to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and says, The oh, Nabi of Allah, permit him to join the army. Let my son go in the part of Allah, where his life could be lost, because he is an excellent archer. Comes to shoot, shooting the arrow, the bow and arrow, he is a master at it. Let him go. So upon this, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Okay, let him join the army. Let him join the army. Upon hearing this, another youngster began to complain to his brother, Samura bin Jundub radiallahu anhu complains. He says that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam allowed Rafi bin Khadij to join the army. But my condition is such that if Rafi and I were to wrestle, I would put him down. The brother comes and says this to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the epitome of justice. He says, okay, if that's your claim, come. The both of them, two youngsters in front of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam are wrestling. And true to his word, Samura bin Jundam pinned Rafi bin Khadij to the ground. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam also joined her. A year before Uhud, the Battle of Badr, the Battle of Badr, Abdurrahman bin Auf mentions, Abdurrahman bin Auf, Jalilul Qadr Sahabi, one of the Ashara Mubashara, the ten who were given glad tidings of Jannah. He says that I stood on the battlefield, and on my right and on my left I see two youngsters. And I would have been more at ease had I seen two strong men. Put yourself in that picture. You see, you are standing there facing an enemy. You definitely prefer to have you know, strong Pelwan next to you. But he's got two youngsters. And the word that he uses, subhanallah, no, no disrespect to Sahaba radiallahu anhum. But in our terminology, he says two lighty on either side. And the both of them are tugging at his clothes, pulling him, getting his attention. And they ask him, tell us who is Abu Jahl. They were from the Ansar. They were from the Ansar. They Born in Medina, they were never not from Makkah. Mu'az and Mu'awiz radiallahu ta'ala anhumah. They ask him, show us Abu Jahl, the battle of Badr. These two youngsters. So he's like, what do you all want with Abu Jahl? He says, we have never seen him. But we have heard that he has caused Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam up, you know, so much of taklif, 
so much of harm, so much of difficulty in Makkah. Abu Jahal is the one who had the intestines of that camel flung on Nabi Sassam while he performed salah in front of the Kaaba Shaykh. He is the one who commanded that he be throttled while he was in sajda. So much of difficulty and taklif. He says that these two youngsters are saying to me, we never saw him, but we heard how much of pain he caused to the Nabi of Allah. Today we want to kill him. This was the jazba. This was the shock of the youth of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. He says, whilst we were fighting, whilst the battle was ensuing, I spotted Abu Jahl. I showed these two youngsters that that is the man you are looking for. That is Abu Jahl. That is the Fir'aun of the Sunnah. Immediately the two darted towards him. Being little children, being children that they were, and him being a leader of the Quraysh. Who are they in front of him? How can they attack him? So they tried and tried, but look at the tactic. They began to attack the horse that he was riding. They cut off the legs of the horse till he fell to the ground. And in, in those days, the war would not be that you poke a person, you stare. You, 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 you completely chop off his head, etc. But children, they begin to, they, with their swords, they are poking at Abu Jahl. Until the elder brother of Muawir, he comes forth and finally, you know, kills Abu Jahl. Such a great enemy of Deen, such a great enemy of Nabi Wasallam, brought to an end by two youngsters. Go to the battle of Khaybar. Often we hear that slogan now also. Khaybar was a battle that took place when the Jews of Medina were expelled. They were banished from Medina. They went out. They settled in Khaybar, just out of Medina, approximately 150 kilometers. But from there, they began to instigate and cause more harm, you know, spurring on other tribes to attack the Muslims. So Nabi Ali understood that now it is the time that, you know, we completely attack this group. When the army of Nabi Sallallahu comes forth, they surround, they, they lock themselves in their fort. We're not going to discuss all the details of this battle of Khaybar. But the Jews of that day, they were defeated ultimately. Today the slogan continues in Aqsa. Khaybar, Khaybar, Ya Yahud, Jaishu Muhammad, Bada'a Yahud. That remember, O Jews, the battle of Khaybar. That same army of Nabi Ali will come. In that battle, the battle of Khaybar, Umair radiallahu an, a little child joined the army. He was so young and tender that the sword given, he could not tie it around his waist. It was hung over his shoulder. That that sword, if he tied it on his waist, would drag on the ground. This is not clash of clan. This is true battles where Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Today our child loses in a game. He becomes depressed. He becomes depressed. He doesn't want to go to school. Or his team on a different complete continent were defeated. He's in depression. But this was the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. This was their show. Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum. Abdullah ibn Abbas. The time when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away, he was 13 years old. The time Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away, he was 13 years old. Yet we find he is known as Raisul Mufassirin. Raisul Mufassirin, the greatest Mufassir, interpreter of Quran. To explain the intricate details of Quran. 13 years old when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed away. How did he gain such great knowledge? Big Sahaba, Umar radiallahu would consult with him, call him, explain this ayat to us, explain what Allah is saying in this verse. That tender age, 13. Muhammad bin Qasim, Muhammad bin Qasim, from the place of Ta'if, when Hajjaj bin Yusuf had been causing such great fitna, eventually, in the Indian subcontinent, where a lady had cried out, that lady had cried out, 
where is the Khalifa? Where is the Khalifa that Muhammad bin Qasim tender age went to and conquered that area of Hind, that part of India, today so many brothers of India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Ghair Munkasim Hind, Barre Sahir, as a result of that young Sahabi. Islam Aqsa was conquered. We hear people want to keep that name of their children after the crusaders by none other than Salahuddin Ayyubi. Salahuddin Ayyubi. What was his age at the time of conquering Aqsa? He was 18 years old. He was 18 years old at that time. Nabi Ali mentions another hadith that on the day of Qiyamah, there will be seven categories, seven groups of people who will be under the shade of the Arsh of Allah. VVIP, very very important individuals on that day. They, the day when the whole of mankind will be parishan, the whole of mankind will be in a state of bewilderment. People are described that they will be sweating in their own perspiration, they will be drowning in their own perspiration. The sun, one hand span away from the heads of people. On that day, VIP who will be under the shade of the Arsh of Allah. Shabun nasha'a fi ibadatillah. One category, one group are those youth, those youth who are nurtured in the ibadat and the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For in this aspect of the hadith, there are two important details, there are two important lessons and two important things for us to hold firm to. One is that child doesn't nurture himself, the child doesn't grow himself up. It is the responsibility of the parent. Create that environment of deen in your home. Fill the heart of your child with the love of Allah. Create that enthusiasm to worship Allah. Do not fill the heart of that child with all these soccer stars, Manchester and Liverpool and all of this. Do not fill the heart of your child with their love. Fill the heart of your children with the love of Allah. The love of Sahaba radiallahu anhum, the love of Nabi alayhi the love of the Ahlullah and the Uliyai kiram, the love of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this, the first step to, to develop and to achieve this is by having dedicated time daily, when ta'aleem takes place in the home, reading the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa one hadith, five minutes, where the family sit together and read about the lives of Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Sit and read about the virtues of our actions, the virtues of Salah, the virtues of Dhikr, the virtues of Quran Tilawa, and the virtues of striving in the path of Allah. Dedicate five minutes and to, to our children in that home so that deen and the love of deen settles in their hearts. On the other hand, as you value this time that you have, value this time that you have, you have no guarantee that you're going to reach old age. Today it's become a trend that parents are burying their children. It's something that is very, very difficult. Allah never put us to such a test. You said this week and for an alim, he explained that he took us, we went there to him for ta'ziyat, for condolences, an alim that lost his son. And he took our attention to Ibrahim salam when he was commanded, one is dealing with the loss of a child, but here he was commanded to sacrifice the child. He was commanded by Allah to be the means of that life coming to an end. You understand this time that you have, O oh youngsters, O oh youth, we're not saying that spend it where you have disassociated from dunya, but in the life of this world, 
perfection. That's why the Nabi of Allah explained that in this deen, la rahbaniya fil Islam fil deen, o kamaqal, that this aspect of becoming a monk, a monk, and sitting in one mountain and eating provita biscuits, this is not part of deen. Deen is that person, kamal in deen, is that person who is in society, he is in business. He's in his job, he's in his home, he's mixing with people, but he upholds the commands of Allah. That student who is there on the soccer field and he hears the adhan, immediately he stops. I turn to my Allah. Wallahi, that student is such that he'll gain the stages of life. That student who understands that my time for studying is such that I cannot sacrifice salah because I have to study. That success in the exam is dependent on that salah. Prepare. We have Youth today are faced with such challenges that we may not even have dreamt of when we were young. Today's times are very difficult. Create an environment that is conducive for our youth. That in this month, in this fact, this Jum'a has been dedicated by many ulama to speak on the topic of LGBTQ, etc. This is amongst the great fitna and the great tests that youngsters, especially youngsters, are faced with today. And what this, for every situation, for every problem, the solution is one. For every problem, whether it is LGBTQ or XYZ or anything else, every problem is one solution. Turn to Allah. Return to Allah. Connect with Allah. Increase your connection with Allah. In every problem, by means of this, you will find solace, you will find the solution. Allah Ta'ala grant us understanding.